Hello everyone, I'd like to welcome you to today's How to Franchise Simply Teleconference where we're privileged to have Catherine Payne Brinkworth as our guest for the second time in our series. Um, let's twist Catherine's arm a bit to get her here, but she's, because she's someone who's very busy. Um, and the title today of um, our, uh, our, our call, our interview, is The Magic of a Mentor. And that's really subtitled um, How to Dramatically Improve Your Results in your and Your Effectiveness in Your team in your business with mentoring. Um, the challenges of running a business are getting harder, as we all know. Everything's going faster. So the chance to learn more is always uh, is always worthwhile. So this is one of those um, recordings I think I suggest you listen to two or three times because you pick up nice little nuggets each time you listen to it. Um, and nobody better to get this guidance from than someone like Catherine who has got an extraordinary uh, track record in a number of fields in, in, man, in management, leadership, sales, training, and particularly focusing on mentoring, which she does internationally. Um, and that's been a big contribution from her point of view. She's um, had mentors in a whole number of aspects of her life and her career, um, marketing mentors, financial mentors, business development. So it's picking the eyes out of the people who've got the best knowledge you can share. But I don't want to take all of her um, all of her gunpowder <laughs> by telling you too much because uh, what we'll run through now with Catherine is um, basically an introduction to her. She's, she's um, as I say, worked internationally um, for, for a long period of time. She is a certified speaking professional and that's where she's had, uh, I think a lot of people will have, will have seen her name before. She was also chairman of the board of Orvis, the uh, international accounting firm in Brisbane um, and national president of Business Swap. Um, so she's done her share of, um, of high-level communication and leadership, um, and also national president of the National Speakers Association, a fairly privileged position, I can assure you, and um, uh, also being world president of the Global Speakers Federation. Now, that's a long list because she's a high achiever. So, Catherine, after all that, lovely to have you here. Thanks for making yourself available. I appreciate your time to the premium. Um, how are you today? Oh, Brian, I'm exceptionally well, thank you. And uh, I know I'm flat out at the moment, but I'm loving it, and I particularly love being able to come and chat with you and help all the people that you're busy helping. Lovely. All right. Now, what we'll do is anyone who's got any questions, um, uh, if they're not listening to this live, please take a note, um, and either email myself, and I'll, I'll communicate those through to Catherine. So um, if you haven't got my email address readily, there's Brian at howtofranchisesimply.com.au, simple as that. So if you do that with any questions you've got or you'd like another copy of this recording, please get in touch. So, Catherine, over to you to open the, um, the, the interview, I suppose. If we come back simply, starting at the, starting at the, uh, at the beginning, which is always a, always a good spot, effectively, um, what's, what is a mentor? <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a pretty good question to start with, Brian. Um, I know when I speak on this professionally, often facilitate workshops or um, speak at conferences on it, uh, people get a bit confused or many people have been confused about the difference between a coach and a mentor. Mm. And in fact, they are quite different. Um, a coach can, sorry, a mentor can be a coach, but a coach can't be a mentor. Okay. So um, maybe if I just clarify why I say that. Yeah, yeah, a, a mentor is someone who will give guidance and advice and ideas and encouragement. 
it's someone who will share their own specific path. Um, so my best analogy for it is a guide. And if you were setting out to climb a mountain, uh, and I think the mountain climbing analogy is a really good one because it's like that when we're in business. There's one mountain <laughs> after another. <laughs> so um, I think it's like having a guide, someone who knows the easiest paths up the mountain, who's actually walked the mountain before, perhaps has fallen a few times, um, perhaps yeah. knows what amount of luggage or baggage you need to get rid of before you start climbing. Um, yeah, yeah. really so has got a, a good handle on the landscape and can show you the easiest way to get there. Yeah, right. Yep, yeah. and this all comes back to franchising. So those of you uh, listening can understand why this for me was a, a key area I wanted to address because franchising is mentoring. Um, that I'm not, not wishing to interrupt your flow there, Catherine. Please carry on. <laughs> no, no, you're absolutely right. I mean, that's why people buy a franchise is mm. so that they actually get not only the system but somebody to guide them through the system, someone to show them how to walk this particular mountain. And I must admit, it often surprises me when I do hear um, franchisees say, oh, I just want to do it my way. And I think, no, you don't. That's why you bought a franchise. You want to do it the way that's proven. Um, and you, you've got a guide to take you up the mountain, for God's sake, follow their advice. So that's the difference because a coach, of course, is not there to give you advice. To not, They're not there to share their story. They're there to help you find your story. Um, a coach really ought to be working with you on your story, your unique uh, facilities and abilities, and a coach will be drawing out of you the wisdom, the knowledge, the experience that already exists and making sure that you strategize for yourself uniquely. Um, and that's why there are life coaches as well as uh, leadership coaches, business coaches, executive coaches, etc., um, and health coaches because they help you to develop your fitness path just for you. Whereas if I were, for instance, uh, a fitness mentor, and I am not, Brian, <laughs> I would be saying this is how I have achieved fitness. This is the way I recommend you do it because that's my expertise. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so as a leadership mentor, I mentor people in how to lead, and I do that based on experience. I might integrate some coaching into that so that it's absolutely relevant, unique, and, and specific to them. But um, basically, they will hire me because I have been there and done it, and I know the path up the mountain. Um, it's often, um, another one of the differences is it's often almost secret, whereas most people aren't secret that they have a coach and don't need to be. Uh, but sometimes mentoring relationships in large organizations or very uh, political organizations um, are sometimes kind of kept behind the scenes. Uh, so as a mentor, you need to not have an ego. Um, nobody needs to know you're doing it. And um, it's all about the person you're mentoring. It's not about you. Um, so it's often, And it's often informal and behind the scenes and can often be unpaid. Some of the best mentors I've had in past years have been people I've simply called up and said, how do I do that? It isn't necessarily a professional arrangement. In my case these days, it mostly is. But for a lot of people, there are mentors all around you if you look at them, look for them. Excellent, excellent. Okay, it's beginning to... We had a lovely conversation, Catherine and I, recently, which is why we're, we're talking now, and uh, 
the penny dropped on a lot of things, and the cashless clarity on this, to me, just really helped, and I think it will help a lot of our members and uh, and guests as well. That's, uh, that's that's fascinating stuff, actually. And um, so following on from that, um, we've got the difference there. I mean, one of the do's and don'ts about being a mentor, then you said they've got a, you know, no ego, um, so they've got to not try and project themselves into the picture, as it were. They've got to be discreet and often well, informal. Um, so what are the, the do's and don'ts? don't about being a mentor if we're talking about our franchise or being a franchisee. Let's use the old analogy of Jim's mowing, Jim Pender. I think that's probably an easy one that everybody understands. So Jim was successfully mowing lawns, built a system, started to grow it, and basically gave that system to other people and mentored them effectively um, through his manuals and his training programs into being successful and overcoming their hurdles. That's perhaps an analogy we can drop, to, drop back to. So what are the do's and don'ts? Don't you would be saying to Jim if he was starting off today with uh, with Jim's mind. Great. I'd say first off, make sure that whoever has asked you to mentor them, and of course in Jim's case, it's the franchisees. Um, in in that case, you would say, "Gosh, do I have the skills and experience to pass on?" And a lot of people actually have them, but don't know they have them. You know, we we live a lot in an area that I would call unconscious competence. Mm-hmm. Where we actually know that we know how to do something, but because we do it almost blindfolded with our arms crossed, we don't even know that we know how to do it. I mean, how many times have you driven home, Brian, don't answer this, <laughs> without actually thinking about what you're doing? Right? You just do it automatically. And so it's like being able to bring into the foreground of your awareness that which you do know. So that when somebody says, how do I run a successful business in this field, you've actually thought through the things that you already know, maybe you've learned the hard way, that um, would be useful to somebody else. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. And that's the role of a franchise program is, is actually, I suppose the biggest challenge I have with people is actually getting them to appreciate they do have all this knowledge, all this expertise, and they build a business which actually does have the potential to franchise, but they don't realise the value of what they've got because, as you say, it's sort of an unrecognised competence. You're so right, and I'd agree that people don't know they've got it. Um, I remember a, a very dear friend of mine in Sydney who ran a business which was very well known and highly respected, getting signs made up. And mm. it wasn't, it was big signs on buildings, but it was also little signs on doors. And she had this business and she was absolutely adamant that it was all about her and her knowledge and expertise and that really it was about her relationships and it wasn't saleable. And I used to weep because, in fact, the skills, the strategies that she naturally used to build those relationships were transferable. She just needed to be able to sit down and document it. In fact, all the knowledge she had about how to measure up the signs and how to choose the right material and the guidance and advice to give people was something she could also transfer. And if she couldn't, then she could certainly pass on the um, source of the information. So I know she actually had systems and strategies that she totally took for granted. And I think when you first think when someone asks you to mentor them, or when you're first considering becoming a mentor, that you are able to 
think in terms of the processes that you do naturally. Mm. Yes, so, yes. So the second one then that builds on that is that you have empathy. <laughs> you actually do understand and yes, remember yes. how jolly tough it was perhaps when you started. And you're able to um, put yourself in their shoes and think, God, how did I feel when I didn't know that? Because a lot of the time we go, oh, anyone can do that. We get impatient and frustrated with people we're trying to teach. And that doesn't help. That's not effective. It doesn't help them. And it doesn't mm -hmm. transfer information and knowledge. So we have to be able to empathize and go back into the place where we didn't know that and think, how did we learn that? And what did we take on board step-by-step, -step, process by process in order to be able to make it easy for others? It's that empathy around not knowing. Absolutely, you know, and that's, that, that reminds me, I mean, a lot of entrepreneurs, business people that are ambitious are very high in the D spectrum when it comes to this profile, and that means often they do tend to be a bit impatient, they're not necessarily the, great, the greatest listeners and communicators, so it's something that people often who are out there and making it happen actually have to really exercise tolerance and patience to, uh, to share that, because as you say, taking your mind back to what it was like when you started, before you had that knowledge, helps you put yourself in their shoes. That's a very mm. good point, the point on temperament. Because you're right, entrepreneurs who have built up businesses, and I'm one of them and you're one of them, mm -hmm. um, and, and we have done so with that, that drive, you know, that commitment to overcome obstacles. Now, the kind of person that will buy a franchise is not a high-D entrepreneur. They usually are people who are looking for a proven system where they don't have to make it up. They could be very high in the S or stable um, profile or the C, the conscientious compliance profile. Mm -hmm. And in fact, the high S's and high C's make very good franchisees because they will do what you tell them to do. And th But if you haven't got the understanding that their style is very different to yours, um, and, and I do a lot of that work in my helping people to become good mentors and leaders, um, then you'll suffer and struggle and, and you'll want to rip people's throats up. <laughs> <laughs> Which is why, uh, I guess, yeah. We yeah. won't confess to that problem, will we? No, no, it's all right. No, 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 we're but very patient. Yeah, uh, but when, when people start our program, um, it's something that is not unique by any means, it's something I learned donkeys years ago, we encourage them to do the disc profile. So they actually begin to understand a bit about themselves and where they sit in this sort of character space. Because Absolutely. then they're able to relate. If they get the same thing, if they get their franchisees or their applicants to actually do the same, the same, um, uh, do this, run through the same program, the same disc program, they can see the differences and helps them understand how to relate to them. The way you, if you're outgoing and you're, you know, out there and really talking and wild and yet you're dealing with someone who's, a nice, quiet sort of C-type who's, you know, the bookkeeper, they don't want to hear all your garrulous sort of stuff. They just want to hear a nice little fine details. That's um, right. And um, it doesn't have to be disc. I mean, I work with the Merrill model, which is a four-quadrant behavioral style. Mm. And it's all out of the same research base. Mm. We work with doers, goers, flowers, and checkers. Yeah. And um, yeah. it's all the same research base way back, uh, but there are many ways of identifying yeah. it. I think the important thing is that people do understand how they naturally behave and are able to recognize how other people naturally behave and, and bridge the gap. That's the really important bit.
Yeah, and those of you listening who've done them, and my members have, have done most, most of them have done them okay. recently, it's actually, they say, wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I recognise me in this and I didn't realise it. And I, my, my response to that is, check with your wife or your partner at home and see how you perform there. And they do, they come back red-faced very often. <laughs> it is life-changing work, right? I it love is, it. It is, yes, yeah, brilliant knowledge. Um, the other thing I think mentors need, um, and if you're looking for one, you need to look for someone who can do these things. Um, and if you are, you know, setting up to become one, you need to be a good problem solver. So um, that whole concept of being unconsciously competent um, can really be a challenge because you need to be able to sit and think through the logical steps to solving a problem and then be able to guide others through that. Yeah. Um, you need to be a very good listener. Yeah. Um, even though a mentor is there to share their experiences, it isn't all about them. So they need to be able to listen in, share what's relevant about themselves, but stay focused on the mentoree or the men. I hate the word mentee. I just don't like it. It's become very common. Um, yeah, but I like the word. I like protege, which is actually the um, traditional and most correct word, um, the protege, but of course if you're a franchisor then your mentorees are your franchisees, so that's an even better word. There needs to be a lot of discretion so that if you are mentoring one person or organisation, they don't feel that you're going to then go and blab to everyone else about how stupid they are, Um, so you share the successes but you don't Mm. share the the challenges, Mm. Um, and I think you also need to be generous. I think you need to be willing to give heaps more than you're actually, you know, being paid for because that way people know you're coming from the right place of helping and you're not coming from the wrong place of insisting on compliance, do it my way because I'm magnificent and perfect. Um, You're coming from a place of genuinely wanting to help and people get that. You build trust in that environment by being a little more generous. Okay, that's, that's good advice indeed, actually. Yeah, and you know, you, you're sharing that knowledge, and the more you share your knowledge, the more successful everyone around you is going to be. It's the whole idea of the mentoring process, whether you whichever end of the scale you're at. Yeah, that's right. Mm. You know, that's and right. we all know people who are brilliant, but who want to keep their brilliance to themselves, and mm. that is so they can occupy the top rung on the ladder. Um, what they actually find out is they fall off the ladder real fast if they're not helping others to climb it. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of false sort of privacy people impose on re- keeping everything to themselves because they feel a fear of competition and so forth. I'm, I'm a very strong believer that openness and sharing actually just fosters growth and, um, and maturity in businesses as well as people. Yeah, you're um, right. Because if you don't share it, Brian, you're actually stuck in yesterday's knowledge. Yeah, it's it's only when you're willing to share it that you can even begin to evolve it and, and keep ahead of your game. Looking in today's fast-moving world, yesterday's knowledge is a long way. What was a long, long time ago? That's right. <laughs> that's right. So, okay, well, that, that's, that's excellent. I'm getting some really good, really good information here. So I'm, I'm scribbling notes, and I hope those of you listening are as well. Um, so, where do you find a mentor? Ah, good question. Um, you know, it, it, there's a couple of different um, environments that I would look for a mentor myself and have looked for them and that I encourage my clients to look for them. 
The first one is professionally. So, for instance, you know, I don't know whether we certainly haven't um, agreed on this, but I think your whole program actually is a mentoring program. Right. So, um, you know, that it, it's one form of <laughs> uh, one or one part of it is that people, when they come and work with you, have actually found a mentor to guide them through the complete franchising process, and you know, that's a professional service that you're providing. Um, in my case, um, I provide leadership mentoring across a wide range of skills in building, running a business, um, and you know, learning to manage others and learning to make a bigger business and make it work. Uh, so you can look professionally for those others who have been where you want to go and have the professional expertise that you need and find out if they are offering um, what it is that you want, which could be a step-by-step um, systemized process or it could be their time and their services available to you on an agreed basis. So I would say Google. Go, you know, look around professionally on whatever it is you think you need to learn. Don't necessarily go looking amongst coaches because not all of them are experienced enough to be mentors. And I say that with great love towards my fellow coaches, but, I mean, truly, I think most people know that you can sign up and go and do a coaching course and what you will learn is very good questioning and behavioural strategies, behavioural change strategies. You won't learn expertise in their field of endeavour. So what you want in a mentor is an expert in your field of endeavour. You don't just want a good coach. Industry profession specific rather than coaching um, which is a cat, which is basically is broad spread. It's the principle of coaching, yes, as opposed to your specific industry or profession. Yep. Yeah. Often it's focused on one particular environment. But for instance, I was on the weekend. I spent some time with um, some um, evolving coaches. One of them is a world champion sportswoman. Mm-hmm. Now she's been endeavouring to work with um, people at a high level of business. She actually doesn't have enough familiarity with the business environment to even feel comfortable coaching as uh, with business orientation. However, what she is brilliant at coaching with is um, competition, um, stress management, uh, self-discipline, because she has been there and done that. Yeah. Yeah, so um, the other, I've actually spent some time with a very young girl who was one of the best coaches I've ever sat and listened to. She was extraordinary, and yet she's very young, that she's basically drilling deep and asking questions. Mm. She's not mentoring. She doesn't have the expertise to share ideas and specific guidance. Um, She's doing her coaching work through asking the right questions and drilling down. So uh, the two are quite different there. So don't go hunting in the coach directories for a good mentor. Go into the industry area. See if you can identify somebody who's been where you want to go, who understands all the steps and strategies around it, who's willing to be a mentor, um, willing to give you some time um, generously or to be paid for giving you the time um, and see if you can persuade them to work with you. Um, Generally, mentors are approached one-on-one and that certainly people find me or refer to me and and I know that's how that works. If you want an unofficial mentor, right, let's say you've just decided you do want to lose some weight. 
Go find someone who's recently lost a lot of weight and ask them how they did it. Ask them if you can um, have an hour with them, buy them a cup of coffee, obviously um, either a skinny latte or a yeah, 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 yeah. Um, Buy them a cup of coffee and say, can I pick your brains for an hour? Then you might want to say, look, would you mind if I checked in with you every month or so or even every week or so for 10 minutes? You know, I know I go off track and I need guidance. Um, I just need to be reminded. Um, I'd forgotten I was um, helping myself to um, a chocolate um, brownie the other day and uh, one of the people that was with me said, you don't eat chocolate before lunchtime, do you? And reminded me of the metabolic implications of that. In the end, I said, damn it, ate the brownie anyway. Um, but I had forgotten that information around how your metabolism works prior to at least mid-morning. Um, so it was he, he was a useful in-the-moment mentor, if you know what I mean. Mm. He's an old personal trainer. So oh, no. you can go and find someone and just get them to agree to spend a little bit of time with you. If you're not going to pay them, then be realistic and be feasible. You know, don't ask for mm. much. Um, but just do insist on confidentiality. You know, I do hope that what we talk about together will be just between us. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, um, we, uh, I think that as much as in the same way as when I speak to franchisors, of successful groups, um, and I think of many examples, even fairly new ones who've only been up and running for a year or two, one of the biggest satisfactions and the, the surprises they get is the, the, uh, it's the response of people that have joined their programs and just been so grateful because it's been so helpful to them. And so it's that satisfaction, I think, is that something that a mentor can look forward to getting, is that personal satisfaction of helping people? That's a really great question because... Um, a lot of people think, well, you know, why should I bother? What's in it for me? Uh, so I'm glad you asked that. Obviously, if you're doing it professionally, it's incredibly fulfilling and enriching, and there is a great sense of pride as you do watch someone succeed. And I bet you have that, Brian, when you see a new franchise operation launched. I bet you just jump over the moon with excitement. Um, yeah, the... uh, goosebumps. I'm a, I'm, I'm, I'm a new mother. <laughs> <laughs> That's it, and it is the same for a professional mentor. It's also very much the same for um, an amateur mentor, if you like, someone who you've asked to help you. And I guarantee that in the um, last few years, as you've been developing your um, incredible business, helping others in, uh, to franchise, I bet that you've um, been mentored yourself by some people in the delivery mechanisms and yeah. been grateful for that. Mm, and I bet mm. some of them were paid and some of them were not. Um, oh, yeah, but, right, yeah. mm. And I bet they've all had the same joy out of seeing your work become so valuable in the marketplace. So there is incredible satisfaction. There's also, as if you like, a, um, a, an occasional mentor, there's great value in that when people ask you how you do something, it actually forces you to go back to that conscious competence level where you do have to remind yourself of what mm. it is that really works. And often you find, oh, I've actually forgotten that myself. And the metabolism impact of the chocolate before lunch mm -hmm. is, a, is a good case study. It is not that I ever do health coaching. Right, I know the <laughs> Although I can okay. teach people how to survive cancer, I think, um, <laughs> and a few other diseases, I can certainly share what yeah. I did through that. Yeah. Mm. Um, but 
Yeah, I don't, I don't hold myself out to be the nutrition expert. No, but, no, 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 I'm but, saying that. But even when I was being asked, um, as I certainly was um, on Friday, I was down in Sydney working with a client, and, you know, when I'm asked, how do you look for the X factor in who to recruit, um, I go back into my own leadership experience in how I learned to identify the right qualities and characteristics in people and not just their knowledge and skills and whether or not they can pay for what I have available. You know, I really want to be able to drill down and find the clients that are right for me. I won't work with anyone that isn't. So, and, and the same when I was building sales teams or when I was building, um, you know, a corporate structure. Uh, I knew how to go about finding those people. So it reminded me on Friday of just what some of those processes and skills and areas of knowledge were that I'd forgotten about. So it's always useful. And, and it's incredibly flattering to be asked for help. So I have never found, when I've asked anyone to mentor me, even briefly, I have never, um, ever found anyone say no. I have had them say, would you clarify the arrangements you're expecting? So, for instance, I haven't picked up the phone and said, would you be my mentor, usually. I have picked up the phone and said, I need some help in this area. Would you be willing to spend some time with me? And um, I think they have often said, sure, how much time do you want? How often do you want to meet? Um, you know, what, what will I need to make available to you? And I think those are very intelligent questions. Yes, yeah. So, look, as we're working through this, we're sort of covering a lot of ground. Um, and we've already probably addressed a number of the things with my next question, which was, um, if you want to be a mentor, what are the do's and don'ts? Um, I appreciate we've covered quite a bit that's probably helpful on that, but would, would you, is, is, are the points you could summarise there for that particular question? Yeah, there's probably a few, Brad. Um, I'd say if you are thinking of being a mentor and, and starting your own franchising business, and some of you might be well underway with that, um, the do's that I would share with you off the top of my head, I would say your people need to know that you are absolutely committed to their success. And this is the case whether you are a professional mentor, um, an amateur mentor, or whether you're franchising. They need to know that you are totally committed. There's no 95% or only when I have the time or only if you don't drive me nuts. It needs to be a 100% commitment no matter what, at least for an agreed period. You then need to make sure they understand what their level of commitment is. And that's also 100%. Um, I remember years ago learning that about any relationship. If there's two of you in a relationship, you are not each 50% responsible for the success of it. You are both 100% responsible for the success of it. And of all the happy couples I know, that's a fact. And um, of all the successful businesses, particularly franchising businesses, I know that's a fact. The franchisor is 100% committed and the franchisee is 100% committed. You're absolutely right. And that's the only way you, you, you navigate through the, the pathway, the challenges, and as you say, get, get the results that you can only get by the, the chemistry of having you know, two parties together. Good. Mm. The mm. second thing is to be trustworthy. And I, I'm doubting it's happening with any of your clients, but I have seen franchisors fall over in the past because yeah. they ceased to be trusted by their franchisees. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you must never, ever, ever do anything to betray trust. And that includes 
you know, changing financial arrangements um, to disadvantage the franchisees uh, without other compensating factors. And you and I have never discussed that, but I know I've seen in the past that's happened. Um, never, just never doing anything that would cause them to not trust you, because if you're not 100% trustworthy, you will lose commitment. And um, yeah, it just doesn't work. So whether you're a mentor or a franchisor, you have to be 100% trustworthy. And you see this, you know, people in the you try and pull the wool over someone's eyes just in the normal course of day-to-day life, and that's an example of what can happen. And when you extrapolate that out in a franchise group, if you find someone's not actually doing the, happens a lot with marketing, for example, if the if the franchise not not actually doing the marketing, he's he's uh, alluding to, referring to, then you get that that question, that doubt, and it happens a lot with suppliers as well. And, you, know, you, find, you find they've got a deal, they've got a secret deal with a supplier, which is very common, which I, I absolutely abhor. Um, and uh, you know, it's an underhanded way of making a bit of profit on the side at the expense and without the knowledge of the franchisees. So, yeah, no, that, that's, um, that's, that's an excellent point. Yeah, and um, it, it's about all sorts of things. It's about confidentiality of, of private stuff. It's yeah. about being predictable. To me, trust is much more easily earned when you're totally predictable. And I know it's silly, but I remember years ago there was a professional speaker, one of my colleagues, who always used to steal people's stuff. You know, but we are all professionally successful because we have our own unique experiences and content that we share. And when someone comes along to hear us speak and then picks up our content as if they already owned it and starts delivering it as theirs, it's very, very annoying. Um, But it also means they can't do it so well. So they, you know, in, in trying to be too sneaky and clever and not embed their own systems, they nick somebody else's. Um, they don't know enough about them to really do them well. So, yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah. And so they let down their own professionalism. So that trustworthiness is about in- integrity, commitment um, itself. It's about the confidentiality. Um, and it's about the predictability. We used to laugh about this particular guy. and We used to say, you can always trust him. You can trust him absolutely to steal your stuff. <laughs> And so, you know, you made a laugh and you went up to him afterwards and said, if you use any of this, I will, you know, have your guts for garters, as my mother used to say. So, <laughs> uh, you can learn from it and use the mm. knowledge, but don't directly copy the material, because... Yeah, it's yeah. shallow. And look, and, and one of the great values with sharing information, and I know it's part of your, your sort of repertoire, as it were, it becomes natural, is the analogies of the experiences you've had, and it's... If you're copying someone else's material, it's all a bit hollow when you actually can't relate the, the actual occurrence and uh, the circumstances because uh, you just don't have the, uh, I suppose, the evidence, if you like, to, to draw upon. Spot on. Mm. And yeah. the three areas of trust that are essential um, is, is in communication, that it's open and honest and real. And the second area is in capability, so you're trustworthy because you can do what you say you will do. And the third one is in character. And um, that's very difficult to change, and I think it's worth checking on when you are mentoring someone, because you might not want to continue. Um, Some more do's, um, be very future-driven. A good mentor doesn't keep going back into the past, particularly their own past. They will use their experience as a guide, but they're future-driven and they're protege-based. You know, they're focused on the protege's success. So I know I have mentioned that already. The don'ts, I would say, a mentor can't 
get away with trying to be controlling. If, if, and that's different in a franchisor situation where you absolutely have to hold people to the absolute letter of the franchising agreement. Um, but it's also about knowing what you don't control and allowing people to um, use their own personality or their own, um, I suppose, creativity um, in the areas that they can. Um, so it's don't be controlling outside of the agreements that you reach um, because otherwise you're seen as a tyrant. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah it won't also work. Um, don't be mingy with your time. I often hear managers say, well, I don't have time to mentor my team. Well, I don't think you really understand what being a manager is all about, if that's the case. Yeah. Because part of your role as a manager, certainly as a leader, is to pass on what you know. Um, so not making time for it, that's another mistake some mentors make. Um, another one is um, getting into whinging, like um, let's say you are a franchisee and you're choosing to actually mentor your staff um, as to how to live up to the image that you want, and that would include some coaching. Um, there's no point in whinging about anyone or anything, whether it's the economy, your franchisor, um, Brian, me, anyone. There is no point in ever whinging as a mentor, um, even to empathise. No, um, it's if something's bad in the mentoree or protege's eyes, then let's find out how they think it's bad and let's find out a way we could move forward away from whatever's bad. So um, the, another couple, one is arrogance. I've often seen mentors become frightfully arrogant and very knowledgeable, mm -hmm. and they yeah. alienate people. They, they destroy the rapport. Yeah, arrogance and hubris are two of the biggest challenge for, challenges for franchisors in my, in my experience. Aha. Yeah. Uh -huh. yeah. 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 Yep. You can understand. You know, they, they, they go from being someone that's got a, their own or a family business, and the success goes to their heads because everyone keeps telling them how wonderful they are, and the unfortunate thing is, I call it the Paul Keating factor, they, they start to believe it. Oh, dear. Yeah, yes. With all due respect to Paul Keating, well, I, I do respect a lot of his skills, but nevertheless, it's the space, and you see it with so many politicians, particularly because they're in the public spotlight. You um, do, Brian. Mm, mm, you do. Mm, um, and they begin to believe their own publicity. So okay. I think that's a really important one. And the other one is don't turn your mentoring systems into bureaucracy. Um, okay. I've often yeah, I've, yeah. I've worked with companies and businesses and, and organizations, universities, etc., to set up mentoring programs in-house. And my recommendation is that the system exists to serve the mentorees. It doesn't exist to serve itself. So um, be careful. Try and have some structure um, because that makes it replicable and easy, but don't turn it into a bureaucracy. Uh, yeah. where the people's needs aren't as important as the systems. You know, we all hate having to ring up the customer service somewhere and they say, we can't do that, the system doesn't allow it. Well, you just want yeah. to throttle it. Yeah. Um, sure. You can't do that, the system doesn't allow it. Okay, if it's, it's a functionally effective agreement, fabulous. Um, but if you realise that you're getting into rules and regulations just for the sake of it, um, it becomes destructive. So I think those would be my do's and don'ts, Brian. Excellent. Look, that's, that's brilliant. There's a lot here, and I, I, I know that I'm feeling really motivated about taking my mentoring capabilities a few steps further. And, um, I'm, and I'm sure that a number of the listeners are. So how do we 
go to the next step of setting one up in-house, you know, from our own points of view and our own businesses and organisations? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, it depends on the size of your business and it depends on your goals. But let's um, sort of look at some fairly important components of that. Um, the first thing you've need to, you really need to do is to actually clearly decide on the kind of structure that you want. You know, um, how and what's the purpose of it? I always say the first thing to do is think about your strategic intent. Um, you know, what, what am I trying to achieve here? What do I really want to have happen? In the mentoring, in the, in, in, in the mentoring program, right? yeah. Okay, yeah, okay. Um, it might be, um, I mean, let, let me throw a few potential intents at you. One might be to make the most use of the top tier of management in the organisation at the moment before they all retire. Um, yeah, yeah. So it could be a knowledge management purpose, if that makes any sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really, Creating really a knowledge bank. Yeah. Um, yeah, it yeah. could be um, the purpose of this is to make sure everyone can get the help they want when they want it. Yeah, um, yeah. And, and it could be relatively informal in that not everyone goes through it all the time, but only those people who want it or who in their performance appraisal have been told they need it. Um, so, And you could set up a formal program inside your organisation using only outside mentors so that um, people are getting fresh views. You know, yeah, yeah. A lot of the ones I've sent up have been strictly in-house, but a lot of them I'll say to them, no, no, you need fresh input all the time. So every year, every January, I want you to approach, you know, six um, successful people in your field and ask them if they would be mentors to your staff. Mm, mm. Um, yeah, you're absolutely right. We all become, you know, we're stuck within our own bubble. So you're yeah, exactly outside right. to get that other input, which is incredibly valuable. Yes, yes it is. It's one of the things I love about the work I do. I get to be like a vacuum cleaner where I suck it up from one company and then go and put it out of the other one. <laughs> with, with confidentiality, of course. So the second thing you do to set up a, a formal program is to design your structure. And that structure is really all about um, how is this program going to run? Are we going to make sure everyone, let's say every franchisee, has access to um, personal, specific, individual mentoring from the franchisor every month. Um, so there's a one-on-one -on -one phone call every month specifically set aside for discussing the challenges. Right. Um, yeah. is, is it going to be a structure where um, we run a live event every um, quarter or every year and at that live event, the first day is set aside for meeting up with an internal mentor somewhere. You know, what, what structure do you want around this? Do you want the um, senior executives controlling it? Do you want the HR department controlling it? I have my views about that. Um, or do you want um, the mentorees to actually be in charge of it? And there's actually good value in that because then they get what they want. And they don't blame you because the mentoring structure is not good enough. Wow. So, you know, I think that's a really good idea to say to the um, proposed mentorees, okay, there are 25 of you. Um, here are some things you might want to consider, and I'll give you those considerations in a second. Um, come back to us with how you would like it to run for you. And we will go with um, the majority 
or we will implement some of your requirements, not all of them. You know, make it clear you're not going to, or you are or you are not going to have them wholly design it. But put your structure together. Um, you will find that it will evolve anyway because it won't be perfect straight up. You'll find things that don't work and you have to keep evolving it. Yeah, yeah, like everything else. Yeah. Um, third area is have the system, which is the kinds of communication, um, the elements of how you do the what. So it's like the the why is your strategic intent, the what is your structure, what is what is your mentoring program, and uh, how does it work. The system is very much the how does it work. It's the um, the details of what the process is and how people get to find out out about it, etc how they apply for it, and larger yes. terms sometimes you have to apply. Um, I was on the faculty of a young leadership team of one of the big four accounting firms, and they, those guys had to apply. Men and women had to apply to be included in this particular program, and because they only took about 50 a year, um, there were quite um, serious auditions for it. Um, and the last one is sustainability so there are four S's there the strategic intent the structure the system and the sustainability um, how are we going to check whether it's working how are we often are we going to revise it and possibly improve it um, etc now the considerations that I add along with that if you're setting one up you need to be thinking about how formal you want it right um, do you want it formal or informal you need to be thinking about um, are you going to use only internal or some external mentor, mentors or um, all external? You want to know the level of privacy that these people are going to get or is someone going to keep records and feedback to the CEO how effective it is? Yeah, and yeah. that's one of the negotiated things you often need to consider around privacy, keeping records and feeding back to the owner of the business how effective it is. Yeah. And yeah. the last one is what resources are available in terms of time and money. Yeah, yeah. you've got to be realistic. Yeah, you do. Um, when you're actually setting it up, um, the main thing you do at the beginning is actually market out to people, not just communicate or inform, but market to people that it's going to be developed and that it's um, going to work in a certain way and um, take applications or you know get them wanting to be part of it. Mentoring is not something you can force on anybody. You can force coaching on people, but you can't force mentoring. Um, the um, second thing you need to do then is recruit and profile the people who are going to be mentored. And DISC is a great way to profile them, and you'll also want profiles of experience and um, maybe even goals because in a franchising operation you might have quite a few people who want to blow through the roof and earn a megabucks and you might have others who simply want to have a steady income and a satisfactory life and who you give what mentor to will have some level of impact on that. Um, you want to do some matching up or get the mentorees to choose their own mentors. Um, you want to develop the guidelines and in a way that your system and structure gets um, published for the mentorees. Um, you want to set up some training, Brian, because the people who are going to be doing the mentoring, um, they actually need to be trained in how to do it well. We can give them mm. information on this webinar, but they really do need to be trained in how to be a good mentor and what to do when things go wrong. Uh, now, you, I'm sure, provide that. 
Um, and you need strong, clear agreements in place around the mentoring as well. You might want to run a pilot with, you know, two or three mentors mm. to see how well it works. Um, and then you can evaluate that and roll it out. If you are doing, let's say, um, a mentoring program in-house in your business or in an association or anything like that, you might even want to have it over a particular period of time. I mean, one of my businesses or the, one of my aspects to one of my business is that I mentor emerging professional speakers or stuck professional speakers. So anyone who wants to build a business as a professional speaker um, whether they're already doing it or not, I have mentoring programs for them. And we actually have a graduation. And okay. they can come back and do more with me, um, but they have a graduation from that level. And at that graduation, I always want to know what they've achieved since they started working with my programs. Yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah, we get to celebrate important. and do all sorts of things. Yeah. Well, acknowledging you know, yeah. what yeah. one's achieved is so, important. Because you know, we, we usually overlook or dismiss it, I think, uh, yeah, Catherine, that has been brilliant. I'm, I'm really, um, I'm going to really enjoy listening through this again. Um, not to listen to me, but to listen to you and those absolutely little gold charms that you sort of place throughout there. So I've got a few things I want to get done. Um, one thing you just mentioned there about the public speaking. Could I ask you a big favour? I'm on sure. my knee here. Um, could you um, come back on another occasion and give us a uh, an interview with regards to the public speaking side of things? I'd be absolutely excited, Brian. Because, uh, in my view, any franchisor and their team who are recruiting franchisees or training or supporting are public speaking. Um, you know, it's, it's it's what they're doing. And um, whether they're on a stage or whether in the boardroom um, or if in the conference centre, um, I think you know, the same the same skills and techniques apply. So I think it would be an invaluable uh, skill for people to uh, to learn. So. If you oh, do that, that would be brilliant. Very happy to do that, yes. It's, um, the hallmark of a leader is being able to stand and speak in public with confidence and with impact, and, of course, all franchisors have to be good leaders. Exactly. That's what it's all about. That's why they have to be good mentors and mentorees. <laughs> That's true. Okay. Um, now, they listen to you and your wisdom, Brian. <laughs> now, um, you've, got, you've got resources available. Um, can you give me the details, um, which people can always approach me for at any time, but uh, they can obviously Google you, but can you give me the details of where they should best go to uh, to look at the resources available should they wish to um, very sensibly consult you with regards to putting their mentoring programs in place? Or Absolutely. Uh, if they go to my website in the first instance, mm -hmm. which is katherinepalinbrinkworth.com. Yeah. Um, they will be able to get information about products and product packages. Um, I just have a new one I just launched called the Pole Position Pack. I love playing with driving analogies and my own mentoring and coaching schedules of these are based on the Fiat 500 who just wants to do a little bit and uh, kick it along. The Alfa Romeo who wants to um, get from A to B quite quickly but mostly with style. And then we have the Ferrari for those who are absolutely, you know, frustrated and fanatical about getting moving as fast as they can. Right. And the whole position pack actually has um, e-classes available on marketing, on um, public relations, on um, all uh, building a business plan. I know you do a lot of that too. Uh, so there's a whole bunch of stuff in the pole position pack. But there are also other individual products. 
And the makemoneyasaspeaker.com is the website for those who might be interested in actually um, exposing and expanding their capabilities in that area, uh, makemoneyasaspeaker.com. So um, I'm very happy to send details around those packages to you. Otherwise, my own email address is Catherine at palinbrinkworth.com. And Palin Brinkworth is all one word lowercase, no hyphen. Um, and Catherine is C-A-T-H-E-R-I-N-E. But um, Brian, of course, you, your people have already got all that information, I'm sure. That's right. It's all there and accessible. Well, that's brilliant. Catherine, I'd, I'd like to wrap it up and just say on behalf of Pada Franchise simply and our members and guests and um, all listeners, thank you very much indeed for making time available and sharing this information. It really is invaluable and very stimulating and um, I'm sure it will inspire a lot of people to actually use the resources they've got, not just themselves, but access the resources they've got available to them because we can all improve continually and mentoring, I, I do believe, is is an absolute key to it. So um, if there's anything you'd like to say in closing? Um, I guess, Brian, the only thing that I really have to say is that um, what life is all about for me is continuing to learn. And as I learn more and more, I can pass on more and more. And I think when we are in a leadership role, that's something we need to stay continually focused on, is how could I get even better at what I do and that will enable me to build a bigger bigger business to help more people. Um, so I'm a great believer in you know learning however <laughs> I possibly can, as you know. Um, yeah, so I possibly. possibly encourage learning. Ooh, well, I think it encourages, stimulates um, uh, one's, one's, one's enjoyment of what one's doing, uh, which all helps one's, one's, uh, one's health and uh, one's general well-being, I think. So look, thank you very much indeed again, Catherine. We'll wrap up there and... Um, Again, if anyone wants any information, uh, that's available through ourselves. And look forward to speaking to you again, Catherine, and to everyone else out there. I hope you thoroughly enjoyed listening to, um, to this interview. Thank you very much indeed, and good, uh, good day.